Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast brought to you by Coordination.com and hosted uh, on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. My name is Greg Mahachko and joining me uh, for his second uh, trip here on the Five Heart Podcast is uh, our good friend, Coordination uh, contributor, X's and O's and offensive line guru, Haas Reuter Haas. It's been a couple of weeks, uh, and it's been a couple of long weeks uh, here in the Coronation family, but how you doing? I'm doing pretty good tonight. How are you, Greg? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. The curse is broken. I finally went to a Nebraska game where they won, so uh, I'm, I'm very happy about that. That's always a good feeling. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of – that's kind of the reason why I'm not going to the Iowa game this year. I'm on an <laughs> 0-3 streak when I'm in attendance against Iowa, including a trip to Iowa City. So uh, I'll set this one out in the name of finally restoring the order. And, and that's the thing, too, uh, and I'd like to talk with you you know, we, about that. Now seems as, as good a time as any. I, I'm superstitious. Uh, it, it's, I've been that way, you know, sports-related superstitions, uh, you know, as far back as I can remember when I uh, was in high school many years ago and, and played baseball. You know, there were the guys who, you know, they wore shorts underneath their, uh, uh, you know, baseball pants and they didn't wash the shorts all season or they didn't wash the shorts <laughs> while they were you know on a on, on a winning streak things like that um but i've always done a classic example you know go back to uh this week or not this week uh, this this season and we opened up the season against arkansas state and we won i was wearing my red nebraska shirt big white letters go big red across it uh, on the front and a big white n on the back uh, the oregon game I had a wedding that I attended that evening with my wife and our son. It was a coworker of hers. And I'm like, okay, well, I can't just wear my Go Big Red shirt. Although, having got out to the wedding itself, I realized I probably could have and would have fit right in. <laughs> um, but, you know, I dressed up. I still wore red, and I wore my Nebraska shirt underneath that. That was the Oregon game. So I'm like, okay, well, I need to give, I need to give the shirt a week off. Uh, so I didn't wear it. Uh, the the following week, which as we you know found out probably should have, um, but came back wore it uh, for Rutgers and wore it to Champagne. Something about it, it, you know, and I'll wear it again. I've got another wedding to go to uh, this weekend, uh, but I'll wear it under the red shirt. Only this time, I, I think I found out what I didn't do right. The Oregon game when I went to the wedding, I've got a black tie with the black shirts logo on it and i didn't wear that shirt i just wore a black tie so saturday night i'm wearing the black shirt tie and i think that's going to help well i mean it's going to be a kind of a game of attrition so uh, i think the black shirt should figure pretty prominently in this one i think that's a pretty good idea what uh what, what superstitions or any if any do you uh you know keep traditional week in week out or or you know sports season in sports season out um usually you know ever since going back to when Polini was hired i've always been a big hat guy 
like always, you know, always have a Nebraska hat. I own more Nebraska hats than anyone really should. <laughs> but um, I, at the, when a new coach gets hired, you know, depending on what color hat they wear. So like Pelini's, it was white, you know. Mm-hmm. So I wore, you know, white hat through, you know, his tenure until I kind of soured on, you know, Pelini after the beat down in Ann Arbor in 2011. And then sure. uh, when Riley was hired, I, I'd always see, you know, in spring ball, he'd wear a black hat. So I remember that year I went to Husker Hounds in July. When they got the new shipment of gear, and I got a black Nebraska hat, and uh, still wearing that one. I mean, it's not the most comfortable hat, but I always think, you know, I was wearing it when I was at the Nebraska-Michigan State game. We beat them in 2015, so sure. I'll keep riding this hat. It, it, is that so? That's your your go-to big game hat. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, before that, I mean, it used to basically be like I'd wear. Like, especially after I soured on Pelini and quit wearing the white hat, so to speak, and went to the black hat, um, I'd go kind of back and forth between any hat, you know, any different Husker hat that I had. And then getting this one, I've just been like, you know what? I'm going to wear it game in, game out. There's only been one game I haven't worn it for, and that was when I had to go to a wedding on the day of the Illinois game last year and watch the game at a bar but didn't wear a hat since I had to attend a wedding later, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's – that's the hat that I go to. It's pretty sweat stained now, and I have to throw it in the washer, you know, every once in a while. But it's comfortable. It's like an old baseball glove now. You strike me as the kind of uh, guy who wears his hat, you know, the bill in the front with a with a pretty significant uh, curve to it. Is that is that describe your hat style? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got you know pretty significant curve. Nothing too you know severe. And only times I really end up wearing a hat backwards is you know over the course of a game i get you know so worked <laughs> up you know I've, I've been known to throw a few hats you know yeah especially like iowa state no nine the seven turnovers game and uh so I'm, usually over the course of a game it'll make its way to being on backwards but that's the only other time that's the only time i'll wear a backwards hat my mine is, is uh mine doesn't go backwards so much anymore um used you know when i was younger backwards hat was was my jam uh so to speak uh but it is it, i start at low and if i'm drinking beer the more beer i drink the higher the the bill of the hat gets until i i mean it's right at the top of my forehead you know at a pretty substantial 45 degree angle um but it, i don't wear hats very often you know kind of for that reason uh so let's talk about that illinois game um and first of all, I'm not even going to mention uh, names uh, or name names because I know I'll leave somebody out and I don't want to do that. But uh, shout out to everybody uh, that I ran into uh, at the game. There are a lot of people who came down uh, from you know, Lincoln, came down from uh, came over from Kansas City. Uh, you know, I, I came up from St. Louis metro area, uh, some friends of mine. And we had $10 tickets, which were good seats. We were in the end zone uh, where the teams run out of, the opposite of the horseshoe there at uh, uh, Illinois Memorial Stadium. Um, small, I, I, I'm excited for the day that I get to walk into Nebraska's Memorial Stadium because I've been to the Rose Bowl, I've been to Illinois twice, and I just I can't see how you know there's any comparison. I mean, Illinois, I think, has about half or maybe two-thirds of the – of the uh, stands, you know, the attendance that 
that Memorial Stadium could hold. I can't remember the exact uh, attendance. It wasn't great. It was a Friday night game. Um, but, you know, there were corners of, of the stands that were empty. Mine was light. Uh, I will say this. Uh, the, the two Husker fans standing behind me were great. It was just before kickoff. I said, hey, are you, you know, I'm standing up because it's about kickoff time. And I said, are you guys standers? Yeah, we're standers. I didn't sit the entire game. Uh, and, and I know that's kind of a rare occurrence in Lincoln from time to time, you know, based on what we hear, you know, people like, sit down in front. Um, so it, it was it was fun. It, it was a cool night, but, uh, you know, the, the team made it interesting. The team made it fun, I should say. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just exactly what Nebraska needed, you know, coming off the heels of Oregon, NIU, and then, well, let's just face it, it was a pretty ugly performance against Rutgers, all right. things considered. But, uh, yeah, it was nice to kind of exert some game control and uh, play a pretty clean game. I mean, we gave up one sack, and Tyler Hoppus did a great job at getting a pass breakup, you know, to prevent an interception, you know, on a bad throw from Lee. But it was nice. O-line got into a good lather, you know, and I think it was just what we needed heading into Wisconsin. Would you say that – I wonder if, if the, you know, if the matchups with Rutgers and Illinois were a detriment uh, facing them before, you know, going up against two of the, you know, top teams respect your – perhaps, you know, the top team in the in the West, you know, at, at least historically in, in recent memory, and then Ohio State. Did they need, you know, like more of a – you know, middle middling team to bridge that gap. You know, would it have been beneficial to go Rutgers, Illinois, uh, Purdue? You know, I know Purdue's not. On, you know, we'll get them down the road, but North. You know, so, something else that'll help build up rather than such a large jump in in the quality of opponent. Well, I I kind of feel like Rutgers and NIU were just the right kind, or Rutgers and NIU. Gosh, uh, Rutgers and Illinois were just the right two teams to have between five, you know, who we thought we would be to start the season, Mm -hmm. you know, what we thought we were going to do offensively to coming to the realization of who we actually are. So it was nice to have those two teams, you know, right there to kind of allow us to troubleshoot some things and figure out who we are and what we're going to do and what we're going to do best. And, you know, a chance to get live game reps heading into Wisconsin, because I mean, you don't want. I, I wouldn't want a third game just because it gets to the point where you kind of start believing that right. you're better than you really are. You know, on a third, <laughs> you know, what, two games not a winning streak, three games is a winning streak, sure. kind of bleeds over to believing that you know you're better than you really are. But two games is enough to get us kind of everyone on the same page, and then get live game reps for you know going into the teeth of the beast. Let's talk a little bit more some of the particulars of that game Friday night, and I was there. And I also recorded it, but as we sit here and, and you know, have this conversation a week later, I, I haven't gone back and watched uh, the game. I, I should have, but I, I just didn't. Um, as you mentioned, uh, we had uh, Hoppus, who, who did a nice job in pass breakup, uh, and that kept Tanner Lee's, uh, you know, record, uh, you know, kept him from throwing an interception. Um, but he was still... I don't know. The, he, we're seeing the same things from him at times that we saw from Tommy and Taylor, and that's you know a few of those, you know, back foot throws into, you know, Lord knows where. 
Yeah, uh, even on DeMornay's touchdown catch on the first offensive drive of the game, there were some pretty – I mean, that was off his back foot totally. Mm-hmm. He was leaning back. It was like a fadeaway jump shot practically. And uh, just not something you want to see on a consistent basis. Yeah, it worked that time, but, you know, that's how bad habits become even more ingrained. But And, and it worked just partly like too, I thought, because DPE had so many yards after the catch and was able to – you know, make make that happen on his on his end too. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it kind of bought some extra time to really draw in the rush. Sure. From Illinois, but yeah, not something you want to see, you know, on a consistent basis because it's kind of you see it a lot with volume shooters in the NBA. They start relying on that fadeaway, and it just uh, doesn't quite work as many times as they think it should. You get the points, but. Your your percentage, you know, goes way down. So, um, let's talk about the running backs because again, we saw two. Uh, actually, I take it back. We saw three. Um, you know, because Bradley got in there at the end, but uh, or situational. But uh, Mikhail Wilbon, I thought, ran well at times. Uh, Ozigbo did pretty good. I mean, are is that just what? you know, the kind of team we're going to be until Trey Bryant comes back completely healthy and is, you know, a a running back by committee. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Setting up the run with the, you know, committee of tailbacks and hitting quick passes on the perimeter and play action off of our base running game after we kind of get it established and get that defense coming up to defend it. And, you know, it's not always going to be the prettiest thing in the world, but it's our best recipe to win games and uh it's just the shame that it kind of took you know something like northern illinois for that to coalesce but it's just like every game you know that you lose there's always some lesson to be learned from you know whatever adversity that's encountered and do you think that that changes once bryant comes back healthy uh i think i think that when bryant gets back he'll get the bulk of the carries of right. course because i mean what kind of tailback he is i he's just he's much more dynamic than anything the other guys give you when the other guys are serviceable no doubt Mm -hmm. and above serviceable but um i think you'll see brian probably get the bulk of the carries with a zigbo and will bond uh complimenting him and then still doing the same thing in the passing game just quick throw quick passing game and you know play action off of our runs i want to talk about it more when we get you know, later in the conversation, talk about Wisconsin, but how did, does the quick passing game? I mean, obviously, it's beneficial to Tanner because it helps him get rid of the ball because he's not going to move around a whole lot, and so it, it helps prevent the sack. But but does the quick passing game is that something that it will benefit us against their type of defensive scheme, or or is it just playing to our strengths and rather than trying to play against their strengths? Well, it'll, it'll, it, it works to our strengths, of course, right. you know, because we don't have the pass protection to have Lee set in the pocket and wait for those long throws downfield to develop. And conversely, we don't have the receivers that can really gain the separation on a consistent basis. But against, like, Wisconsin, the quick passing game is great because last year we tried to really utilize that against their linebackers underneath and coverage, a lot of pick picks and rub routes and, just especially with that Wisconsin pass rush that we're going to see on Saturday, getting the ball out quick. And if we can just, you know, 
pick or rub a defender just enough to spring a guy like DPE or Stan open, we should be able to stick with the quick passing game without having to get really predictable and, you know, go on five, seven step drops and wait, you know, hope protection sets up and, uh, separation occurs downfield. And I know Wisconsin had something like seven or eight sacks on Clayton Thorson, uh, against Northwestern this past weekend. And, and, uh, Thorson, you know, Husker fans have seen through, you know, experience that he can, he can run a little bit, um, which is not really playing to Tanner Lee's strengths, but let's talk a little bit more about the wide receivers because, uh, couple of drops really could have hurt the Huskers uh you know Stanley had some uh opportunities there and what I like seeing is you know he didn't wait for Twitter to crucify him or to be burned in the, in the papers the next day he went out you know took to social media and and owned it right away he said you know what I I'm my own biggest critic that's unacceptable I'm gonna get better that's the type of uh maturity and leadership that I like seeing, uh, and I thought that he he was able to get out in front of any bad press. You know, um, there are a lot of groans. There are a lot of Husker fans uh, uh, in Champaign, and there are a lot of groans when because those are right there. You know, those are the passes that you got to mm-hmm. have. And uh, but but I think that he was able to um, hold back any. You know, the, I I would say maybe the bulk of the criticism because he was out there in front of it. Oh, absolutely, and that. That's what I always kind of get frustrated with the fans on Twitter who do tweet, you know, to the players about mistakes that they make in a game. It's it's just one of those things, like, unless they're just so totally full of themselves, they know. They know they make a mistake. You know, know, they're a competitor. It bothers them. They hear about it from their coaches, hear about it from their teammates. Don't need to add any more fuel to the fire. And I saw, I mean, there was some chatter, negative chatter, people tweeting at him. But by and large, I thought that was a great job by Stan to get out in front of it. And, and I mean, it serves two functions. shows his leadership, and it also does a little damage control at the same time. Right. And that's, I mean, this is 2017, so we've had, you know, Facebook for 10-plus years and Twitter almost as long, you know. Uh, but we're at an age now where, you know, like go back 20 years, and, and it, oddly enough, you know, we're going to go back to 1997 this weekend and honor uh, the national champions uh, and, and remember them. But, you know, 20 years ago, they didn't have to deal with, you know, Joe Q public. I mean, they didn't really have – nobody was – I don't want to say harassing, it, but we might as well say nobody was harassing them online or, you know, anything like that. For I, I think for the student-athlete 20 years ago, it was a much simpler time because – you get it from your coach, you get it from your teammates, maybe you get a phone call from mom or dad, you know, later that weekend. Uh, say, hey, keep your keep your head up, keep your chin up, you'll get them next time type of thing. But you didn't have thousands of anonymous people giving you shit. Oh, exactly. I mean, sure, they probably heard about it when they went out on O Street or something, you know. I think it's pretty well documented about Scott Frost, you know, getting a lot of flack for Arizona State in 96 and then um, – you know, Central Florida in 97. But by and large, I mean, they were, I mean, it takes a lot of balls to get inside, to get into someone's face. Oh, sure. You know, like yeah. a football player, you know, and tell them what they did wrong when you're just John Q. Public out there as a fan. I mean, I'm pretty opinionated on a lot of things. And I, you know, I might, I might have said some things on Twitter, you know, 
in my more intemperate youth, but <laughs> Lord knows I ain't getting in anyone's face about it. I mean, yeah. I'm 5'10", 200 pounds. I mean, a, a good-sized punter could probably kick my ass, you know? Uh, yeah, so there you are, Caleb Lightborn. I'm not saying that the issue was challenged or a challenge was issued, but uh, <laughs> I, I think – I think Haas knows a, where he stands going up against you, bud. So yeah, that's uh, a big dude. Drew Drew Brown would would throw you a kicking. Yeah, I mean you probably connect, you know, <laughs> right to the right to the Chattel's Shawn Michaels sweet chin music, you know, <laughs> super kick. I'd be flat on my back. But uh, I I guess what we're what I'm trying to say is don't be one of those fans. Um, exactly. You know, if, if you if you think you're if you type it out and. You know what? Don't even type it out. If Don't you even, even think it about it. Just go the other way. And and that's the thing is it's not not just when you know a, a a player drops a ball or fumbles or doesn't come up with an interception or or a, you know, but I look at it from the you know they're these guys are premier athletes doing things that I could never do. So I always you know come back at it and I I don't get it. I don't engage in these social media you know bickerings. But uh, I, if I did, I'd say, what are you doing? Or what have you done? You know, because these guys are playing D1, you know, college football at Nebraska, and you're sitting on your cell phone tweeting at them because you didn't like that they dropped a pass. Boo-hoo. There are greater tragedies in the world. Exactly. You know, and when people bitch about, like, Tanner Lee's pocket awareness or lack thereof at times, it's just like, man – you try taking a snap when you got, you know, anywhere from five to seven guys across the line from you who are going to come at you that play with the express intent just wanting to rip your head off. They don't give a shit about you. And I mean, and, and I with, couldn't have, I never played quarterback. I was an offensive lineman, and I always thought, you know, quarterbacks had this nice cushy gig, you know, they just kind of <laughs> threw a little bit, you know, they're treated well in practice. But as I got older, you know, and really into, you know, the theory of coaching is like, well, no shit quarterbacks are treated so well in practice. Look what they got to put up with in a game, you know. And especially and I played with- a little bit of defensive tackle, too. I mean, I, I know how much I love being able to sack the quarterback. You know, quarterback, that's a, you know, that's why when they get paid that money in the NFL, it's just like, that's you know, they, they've earned it. They're just sitting ducks back there. You know, they earned it. What and this is a, a question that I've often thought internally, but I don't know if I've ever asked. What do you think is the most stressful position to play in sports? And and we'll make it easier. We'll say the big four: football, baseball, basketball, hockey. Man, I mean, on one hand, being like a pitcher in the you know bottom of the ninth in like the World Series or something, that'd be. I mean, you, your emotions get a little bit the best of you Mm -hmm. and you're throwing a wild pitch or something like that especially in a bases loaded situation but on a consistent basis over the course of an entire game i'd probably have to say quarterback see just because of so many different variables and and i don't disagree with you but the only thing that i could argue or or counter with would be a goalie in hockey because you got to have the reflexes i mean obviously you've got the reflexes or you're not there but you you have one job, and that's to keep the puck out of the net. And by the way, these pucks aren't just you know like being tapped in by a couple of six year olds. They're coming at you fast. And yeah, so that that'd be the only. I mean, I don't. No offense to to basketball players, I don't think there's any position on the court that's you know any 
more stressful than than the other. I mean, you got five I guys agree. out there, and and uh, you know everybody has their role, and that's about it. You know, keep the basket or you know, keep the ball out of your own basket, put it in theirs. Pretty simple. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say I would say quarterback or goalie. So I'd, I'd agree with that. So there you go. And uh, folks, you know, listeners, if you if you want to chime in on that, uh, you can do so on social media. Find uh, the show on uh, Facebook at Five Heart Podcast or on Twitter at Five with the number Heart Podcast. And uh, we look forward to uh, engaging in that. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the defense from Illinois because obviously it was another another solid performance. And it was a, a situation where I didn't think they performed horribly in a situation where, you know, a, a mobile quarterback, they don't always, you know, step up to the task. But I thought that they did did a pretty good job of uh, corralling Crouch. I thought so, too. Um, especially that one drive where they drove inside the five and came away with only a field goal. I mean, Crouch was starting to get loose a little bit on the ground, and especially to play situational football against a team that has the ability to go 11 on 11 with you in a short, you know, condensed area like the low red zone. Mm -hmm. Um, They showed, I guess, just good situational awareness that we haven't really seen from our defenses. Um, I mean, basically post-1999, maybe with the exception of 2009 when they kept answering the bell when their backs were against the wall. But – I thought the only part of the defense that gave me a little concern was I think our corners are a little shaky, and especially when teams go vertical on us. Mm-hmm. So that'll be, I mean, thankfully, Wisconsin's not going to be, you know, <laughs> throwing fades and goes and post routes, you know, more than, I don't know, maybe two, three times a game. But uh, really, that's the only area of the defense that worries me. I thought uh, the, the line, defensive line has just been outstanding uh in recent weeks uh uh, the davis boys are are getting after it uh mick stoltenberg is doing some great things um and everybody who comes in and and takes a spot on that line uh you know for a series or a down or whatever they're like you said they're aware and and they're they're coming to play that i don't see a big drop off from the ones and the twos on the defensive line no not at all uh, Khalil Davis looks good when he comes in. Uh, DeAndre Thomas has been really good when he rotates in for Mick. Uh, at the cat linebacker position, Ben Stille. Yeah. Or is it Stille? I mean, I'm not quite sure. But uh, he looks really good. He looks like he might be one of those guys that, you know, we're able to develop. over. And he's only a freshman. So I mean, he might end up being like one of those guys from wisconsin you know the vincent beagles or jack sitchies you know event eventually so and, and yeah i mean it's nice to see guys emerge as the season goes on because especially after like 2015 and 2016 when the depth was so thin and the talent level was pretty low in the front defensive front seven it's nice where it's like oh this guy needs to come out for a breather okay well we can we can rotate him in or we can put you know if we really need to get after a quarterback like against Purdue in three weeks, we're going to be able to have Gifford and Stille, you know, in there. Because, you know, Gifford plays both the dog and the cat position, and Stille can play the boundary cat position. So it's nice to have options. And then, I mean, with the return of Josh Kalu to kind of build off this discussion, 
you got even more options in the secondary because now you got Aaron Williams, Joshua Kalu, uh, Antonio Reed, who's played really well. Karan Williams has, you know, played, you know, in the limited snaps he's had, just played pretty well. So it, it's nice to be strong up the middle of the defense. And I'm thrilled that Kalu is back. I, I've been a fan of his for a couple of years, um, and I understand why they moved him from corner to safety. Uh, I thought that he had a big year last year at corner, so I, I wouldn't have been offended if he would have held on to that spot. But if if they needed, you know, the extra man in the back, I you know, I can't argue with that either. But uh, uh, he brings, a, I mean, what this is his fourth year starting, I think, or at least third year. Uh, so he brings a lot of that big game experience. Uh, I think he's going to be ready to get out there uh, on game day or game night. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's hungry to be back on the field. Oh, absolutely. And with how sure of a tackler he's been, mm-hmm. you know, through, well, until he got hurt in the limited snaps that he had. But that's going to just be really beneficial against Wisconsin, especially with, like Dante Williams was saying, our corner's not really liking to come up and run support. So seeing um, Kalu being able to run the alley and against Jonathan Taylor or whatever, there are other 13,000 tailbacks <laughs> they'll, they'll throw out there. Um, and they always have big games against nice. us too. Yeah. I mean, uh. last year I remember I was so worried about Corey Clement and then it ends up being Ogan Balale, who, you know, I think he went off for, I think it was like 140 or 150 on us. And then – Taiwan Deal, I think it was a few years ago, and uh, I might be getting that name wrong. I can't remember for sure. I'm still that 2015 loss with the missed field goal, and then we can't salt the clock, and they get the ball back and kick the field goal. That one still kind of sticks in my craw. Yeah, that that was a that's a painful memory. Why'd you have to bring it up? We're we're trying to look forward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was thinking today. I was like, because someone one of my classes asked me about the game, and I told him, you know, well, we haven't beat them since 2012. Um, I think we're going to get it done this weekend, but I was thinking, I was like, man, 2012 starting to feel like a damn long time ago. 2012 was the year my wife and I went out to L.A. and saw Nebraska play UCLA at the Rose Bowl. So, yeah, that was – I think that, that was also our last vacation, if you think about it, like our last getaway, you know, that's you know to a place that's more than an extended weekend. So, yeah, it's, it's been a while. Um Damn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we need that to go UCLA on vacation. game, I went Chernobyl <laughs> that night. Oh, I had steam coming out of my ears. I was so pissed about that one. It, it was a pretty quiet drive back to uh, from Pasadena to, to L.A. where uh, we were staying with our friends and a, and a very quiet meal at Jack in the Box to <laughs> tap it all, uh, top it all off. Um, let's – before we move on and, and kind of talk a little bit more about Wisconsin, uh, under the worst of circumstances, uh, you know, I, I know you got to finally meet some more of the coordination crew. Um, and obviously no secret by now, uh, anybody who listened to last week's show when I had uh, uh, our, our fearless leader and uh, coordination founder, John Johnston, on, um, if, he, if you've been hiding under a rock, I, I certainly don't blame you, uh, but we all know that uh, Brian Toll had passed uh, last week and was laid to rest back in Nebraska uh, this earlier this week. And and I know Hoss that you got together with uh, you know John came down from Minnesota and, and a lot of the uh, um, Eastern Nebraska crew was there. Uh, you know, tell tell me a little bit about 
you know, what happened Tuesday evening when, when you all kind of got to get together? Yeah, uh, we got together at uh, Blue Blood Brewery down there on 9th Street, just, uh, well, about a hop, skip, and a jump away from the state pen, so that's always an interesting <laughs> to be in that close proximity. But, um, yeah, it was good. Uh, not much of the brewery type. I mean, I just like, if it's beer and it's cold, you know, I'm usually pretty happy, especially if it's Coors Banquet or Shiner Bach. But um, it was right. good, you so, know, ate so dinner you do have with better everyone. Taste. Go ahead. You do have better tastes than just Coors Banquet. Yeah, Coors Banquet, I mean, that's the uh, that's 1A, and then Shiner Bach is the 1B, and okay. then push comes to shove, and I'm at an event that I didn't have to bring beer to. You know, if it's Bush Light, I'll manage, but <laughs> Bud Light, I'd just as soon not drink. All right, so, so before you go on, uh, when I got to the tailgate last Friday, uh, coming pretty much straight from work uh met some some you know friends of mine that folks i used to go to church with and and uh tailgated with them uh two years ago last time in champagne and i got up there and uh hey they provided the beer so i couldn't complain um but the choices were keystone light and budweiser so budweiser in a pinch it was budweiser it was it was one Budweiser and then one Keystone Light because there wasn't that much Budweiser, and then it was two, <laughs> and then it was two more Budweiser because I wasn't going to go back to Keystone Light or yeah, Keystone, flavored beer. water, beer flavored water. Yeah, that's like I as much as I love Coors Banquet, will not drink Coors Light. Uh, just you're just not I mean, ready. might as well not even be made by Coors. You're not even you're not ready to tap the Rockies then. Yeah, I mean, I, I just. I'm like the Sam Elliott commercial, you know, with Coors Banquet. You know, <laughs> jeans, flannel shirt, cowboy boots, you know, standing a clear mountain stream. You know, that's how I feel at least every time I go into Gretna Wine and Spirits to uh, buy a case of the banquet. Well, and, and now we know, hey, uh, shout out to Gretna Wine and Spirits. You see Hoss coming in. Uh, his next case is on him, all right? Full price. <laughs> um, anyway, back back to Tuesday evening. We got, we, I, I went off on a sidebar. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, let's see who's there. Well, Jill, Ty, and myself were the first ones there. And then, uh, so, met the volleyball uh, writer. Uh, I can never remember how to say Ty's last name. So Peter Onitz. I'm not. Peter Onitz? Yeah. Okay, because I didn't want to butcher that, you know, and real I'm, badly. I know that more from my other podcast, and I'll do a little shameless self-promoting, Nerds United on the uh, Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. But uh, Ty actually uh, got me hooked up with his brother who draws, who is an artist and, and does comic book work. So I've talked with his brother, Jay, numerous times. Uh, and uh, yeah, Jay, Jay's fantastic. Ty's okay. Jay, Jay's pretty cool. Uh, no, continue. Yeah, Peter Onitz. Peter Onitz. Um, then, let's see. Matt Brown, our uh, college football manager for SB Nation was in town which was really and, uh, nice of him too you know oh absolutely I mean break it you know first time you know breaking bread with a Ohio State Buckeye but he's a pretty <sighs> solid dude that's um, then uh, Zach showed up the uh, Husker Boneyard from mm-hmm. Corn Nation uh, the student section reporter and then our uh, fearless venerated leader John Johnston arrived fashionably late and uh, along with uh, David McGee, showed up later in the evening. It was a uh, it was a really good experience. Uh, talked a lot about you know Nebraska football, of course. Complained about you know just some <laughs> of the some of the mundane 
things that we have to put up with here at Corn Nation. And uh, it was just basically a living, breathing incarnation of the Corn Nation Slack Room. It was, uh, it was basically like that Slack Room app had come to life. And uh, another peek behind the curtain for anybody else, it was after dark. So it was really hashtag CN Slack after dark in a brewery. It, it down in a cave afterwards. Down in a, and down in a cod. <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah, uh, got a nice uh, tour from Ty through the through the cave. You know, we all we all went down there and uh, couldn't go down into the well because of the mud and the water, you know, that was down there. But it was pretty cool. Um, thought about, you know, writing coronation in the sandstone walls of the cave until Ty told me pretty uh, – Emphatically, in pretty direct terms, not to. <laughs> uh, can't wait uh, till my next trip out to Lincoln, where I definitely plan on going to Blue Blood Brewer, Blue Blood Brewing Company, or Blue, Blue Blood Brewery. I don't know. Um, anyway, oh, get the Carolina Burger if you go. Delicious. Oh, noted. Uh, I'm I'm assuming a little barbecue sauce on that. A little barbecue sauce, some pulled pork, with two beef patties. It was good. All right, so you brought it up, food. <laughs> and uh, and we we had a, a a bit of a I don't know disagreement. Be I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it friendly. Um, as hopefully everybody knows, you know, I I went to Nebraska at a very young age of 21, and was in a college town, and it was treated well. Uh, moved back a little bit closer to home after a few years, uh, but I love Nebraska. I love Nebraska culture. Uh, I love Nebraska people. Love Nebraska football. I do not in any way, shape, or form understand Nebraska's affinity for chili and cinnamon rolls. And before you respond, um, a little bit more information on me. I have a chili recipe. It is my dad's chili recipe. Up until this upcoming year, it would be the only chili I've ever made. Um... it's simple, it's time-tested, and my dad always did a, uh, a um, oh, what the hell, kind of uh, cast-iron skillet uh, of cornbread. So that Ooh. was it, chili and cornbread. What the hell is this cinnamon roll crap? Well, first of all, to uh, paraphrase a great Nebra- two great Nebraskans, William Jennings Bryan and... Uh, Nebraska's own Kevin Kugler from a Twitter exchange I had with him on this very topic <laughs> last week. Chili and cinnamon rolls is not just a way. It is the Nebraska way. <laughs> and up until uh, the fateful uh, 408 yards by Melvin Gordon in 2014, that day, I had never had chili and cinnamon rolls in my life. I felt much the same way that you did towards the, uh, the combination of the two. And then that day, for whatever reason getting together for the game my mom made chili and cinnamon rolls but why At first why? it was kind of like well why? i'm gonna keep the chili and the cinnamon rolls separate and then after a while i was like you know what? i'm gonna try it so i put it in the bowl ladled a bunch of chili and cheese and sour cream over it and those two combination of flavors may be one of the best things out there okay so now it all makes sense you had okay you, so you're putting the cinnamon roll in the bowl and putting the chili and the cheese and the sour cream on top. I want to make sure yes. I get that right. Okay. 
And the first time that you ever had that was, again, the day Melvin Gordon ran for all those yards. It was Mm -hmm. bad. Okay. It all makes sense now. You were in a very low place, and you were looking for anything to comfort you. I mean, that and about the, you know, 18 Coors Banquets I drank that day. (laughs) Before, during, and after the game. But, uh, no, I mean, after that, it was just, man, I, I can't get enough of it, like, I'll, I'll end up having three, four bowls of chili and four cinnamon rolls and, you know, any cinnamon rolls are left over. Hence why I have to hit the gym every day or <laughs> else, you know, say. I'd be looking like Chris Farley. Your, your calorie intake, sir, is, is astounding. Um, now, I'm going to throw this out to, you, uh, out to you only because I want to ruin the chili cinnamon roll thing for you. Every sure. time you put that spoon in the chili cinnamon roll bowl combo, I want you to think of Melvin Gordon racking up all those yards. And we'll see if you don't put the spoon down. You know, I unfortunately do. Every time <laughs> I, I put that cinnamon roll in there and I ladle the chili over, I just have that vision of Melvin Gordon going in motion on the jet sweep and taking the hand off and jumping over Corey Cooper. And 80 yards later, it's 17 to 10. Nebraska's still in the lead, but you just knew that something wicked was on the horizon at that point. You're gonna be I remember that day it was colder than shit. Too, it was. Here. I remember watching it, and it was snowing. Um, I believe it was snowing. I, I know it was. The, the forecast, like you said, was cold. But um, you gonna be in attendance on Saturday evening? I am. I bought uh, bought tickets from Jill in section oh. 102. So, Coronation's own uh, was her name Ranch Babe. Ranch Babe. So, yep. Bought <laughs> tickets from her, and I'll be in attendance with my dad. So. I am uh, juiced for this one. You're, are you going to bring the fire? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Lord knows that uh, I should probably t- have the beer intake before the game should be minimal because I don't need any extra juice or fire for this one. I believe you've, you've stated before um, or, or, or put it before on, on Twitter or in the Slack room something like uh, in 2015, uh, you know, we – unlocked the door in 2016 we you know opened the door a little bit and in 2017 we're gonna kick the son of a bitch in is that a refresh my i want to get it right and i want it on i want it on the record yeah um you know after the melvin gordon slash chili and cinnamon rolls game of 2014 <laughs> uh, you know 2015 we knocked on the door knocked on 2016 we opened the door this year we got to tear the son of a bitch off its hinges and just I mean, kick the door down. We've had a couple of heartbreaking losses uh, to uh, the ditch weasels. Uh, we, we promised Salt we'd say that. Uh, the ditch weasels, we've had a couple of heartbreaking losses to them. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, the uh, – well, going back to 2014, we know what happened, but the, the real heartbreaking heartbreakers were 2015 and 2016. Uh so this time it's 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 there for the taking, uh, and on a on a night when you are honoring the 1997 national champions, the only national champions, uh, he, he, and you've got big recruits coming in. Uh, Micah Parsons is making his second official visit uh, this weekend. You, you, so you get a glimpse at the past, and you're given a glimpse to the future. You got to show out, and this is. This this week is I'm 
I doubt any of the guys on the Huskers are listening to the Five Hearts podcast. If they are, hey, good luck. Go get them. Give them hell. Um, but I don't want to put any more pressure on But this is this is not just about this game or this season, but when you've got an athlete the caliber of a Micah Parsons coming in, you've got to you, – you can't get run out of your own stadium. I mean, it, it's just, it, it can't not happen. You've got to show out and, and – the opportunity is there for the taking, and you can turn quite a few heads, uh, you know, coast to coast with the W. Uh, yeah, Saturday night. Oh, absolutely, and it's just symbolic, like kind of you were saying, you know, the past, you know, honoring the past and a glimpse of the future, and it's symbolic, kind of, for the Mike Riley era in general. I mean, I think a win against Wisconsin would quell quite the uh, civil unrest within the state of Nebraska, and just. We played them close past two years with severely outmanned rosters. And I mean, we're not, I mean, we're not the 95 Nebraska team. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I, not even the 01 Nebraska team. Right. But we're a better team than we were the past two years. And I just feel like, okay, there, there's enough pieces in place. You got to show up. You know, uh, Wisconsin just not a team that's going to run you off the field. I mean, well, unless you're Bo Pelini. But um, How many times that happened, dare I ask? No, too many oh, times. Too many 2011, times. 2012, 24, 3. God, what was that, about 1,700 yards in rushing yards given up in those three? Probably. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone can understate the importance of this Saturday night. It's just – and the second that Illinois game got over with last Friday, immediately it was – Wisconsin, it's kind of like the Bill Belichick. You know, we're on to Cincinnati. Right. Um, usually, I'll kind of be like, "Oh, you know, it was nice to get a win and kind of bask in the glow of it." But it was just like it's Wisconsin week. We did have a question. Uh, we do throw out uh, on social media, taking your questions, uh, things like that. And one of Coronation's own, Patrick, wanted to know the one offensive system you wish would become popular but hasn't. And I know you being the X's and O's guru, I'm just going to sit back and let you take it. Honestly, I would have to say <laughs> an entire system built around the toss sweep. I love the toss sweep. Favorite playing football. The old Nebraska toss sweep under Tom Osborne, the toss sweep that uh, under Bill Callahan that always went for big yards with Corey Ross or Brandon Jackson, um, even the toss sweep that Tim Beck ran, which – Coincidentally, it was the old Nebraska toss sweep mm-hmm. from under Tom Osborne. But, I mean, I just – so many pe- – nowadays it's mostly used as a constraint run. Once teams start really trying to stop the inside running game, you know, you motion a receiver to crack block and you pin everyone inside and just toss the ball out on the perimeter. But I would just love to see a team just build their entire offensive philosophy off that. Uh, play action passes, bootlegs, trick plays. Uh, I mean, the option – in essence, is basically a moving toss sweep with the ability for the quarterback just to turn it upfield. So if any of the faithful followers of coordination think I'm just past the ball guy, you're surely mistaken. The, the, uh, the only thing that I can add to that uh, is as far as offensive systems go, I've never been 
shame on me. I've never been one to, I guess, to pay close enough attention or to, to have the brain for it like you do, Haas. But you got to go back to the mid-90s uh, and whatever year. I, I don't remember exactly which edition of Madden it was for the Super Nintendo. Uh, and all that I did, and it pissed off my buddy when we'd play against each other, all that I did was play action pass. Quarterback runs back about 15 yards, heaves it downfield to hopefully somebody that was open. Sometimes it worked, sometimes I didn't. <laughs> uh, but I always got rid of the ball, never was sacked, uh, and I lost a lot of football that way. So I really don't want to see that happen, but that's really the only offensive system that I know that's not popular and will never be popular. <laughs> oh, man, that's that's basically with the old NCAA football games. Like yep. It might have been NCAA 09 when, like, Robert Griffin was a freshman at Baylor. I'd play as me and my buddy would always play, and both being big Husker fans, we just made a rule that neither of us could be Nebraska when we play. So I'd be Baylor, and he'd just pick some other team, and I'd just you know drop back in the shotgun, scramble around with RG three for a bit, unleash a pass for like Josh Gordon or you know um, John Blank on their other receiver's name right now. He played for the Tennessee Titans, um, but yeah, I just. I would drive him nuts with that. Hail Marys. I'd just line up, yep. you know, in the Hail Mary formation, just run all the variations of that with Robert Griffin scrambling around. And now when I play Madden, I'll just usually grab the New England Patriots playbook and run the same three plays over and over again, but just adjust the routes and the line of scrimmage. So I, uh, I can annoy people when I play them in that. Speaking of the Patriots, are they still losing? Uh, no, they're up 16-7 to seven now. That makes me sad. <laughs> uh, anybody who knows knows I don't like the Patriots. So um, I, I have a soft spot for them, just from an organizational standpoint. That's fine. I mean, you could have a soft spot for the Steelers. They're also an organization that has success, sustained success over the decades. I, I like I – like, uh, well, Kansas City's always been my favorite NFL team. But I remember I did like the Steelers a little bit when uh, Jerome Bettis was still toting yeah, the rock. That's, that's my boy. That's my boy right there. Um, Haas, I think we've covered about everything we needed to cover, if I remember correctly. I, I believe we have. We're going to uh, uh, finish this one out, reminding you to follow us on social media. Throw us a like on Facebook because I think we only have 37 likes on Facebook, and I know we have more than 37 people that listen to the show not many more but enough uh also follow on twitter and again five heart podcast just search you can find us uh you can find the links right on the uh, bottom of this post on coronation.com or jitterymonkey.com it's right there they'll take you exactly directly where you need to go uh so nebraska's three and two it is a big weekend in lincoln and uh, the 19, 1997 uh, National Championship team will be honored and remembered. We're going to see the alternate throwback uh, uniforms uh, for uh, the, the night as well. Wisconsin is coming to town in a winnable game, and uh, Haas, Haas is calling victory right now. Yep, so first one to 14 wins. Nebraska 17, Wisconsin 14. Because we have a better kicker. Yes. Yeah. Drew Brown, that's two mentions for you in this podcast you're the man uh for myself greg mahachko for uh, haas reuter i want to remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need go big red and haas if you do the honors with the uh wtdg win the damn game 
This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. <laughs> <laughs>